church to help the third world partners in the third world church enhance what they're doing. We feel like we have a mandate when we are blessed with things here in this in this culture to take it to people who need them in other cultures so they can reach their people for the kingdom of God. And we get to celebrate that on days like today. And then we get to help people who call Brentwood Church home do one of two things. And you will get to decide on that this very day. Either go or give. You will either go or give in global missions in 2015 through Brentwood Church. So if you call Brentwood Church home, which means you've been here more than six weeks, then get ready to either go or give. Some of you will do both. Uh, But I'm excited to talk about this today. Um, If you are here and you are not a Christian, though, I want to talk to you for a second and just say thank you so much for being here. I'm glad that you've trusted us so far with your time. Somebody may have invited you. Somebody, uh, you know, maybe you woke up today and you thought, man, I need to do something spiritual. And so you came to this church because you you heard about it. Today, though, we're going to be talking about missionaries. And if you're not a Christian or you're new to church, that might be weird for you. Uh, That might even bring up some some really um, difficult feelings for you because uh, maybe when you think of missionaries, you think of arrogant American Christians taking arrogant American values uh, to places where maybe those people don't want to hear that. And if that's you, I get that because you've heard those stories. You've uh, seen those movies. You've you know, read those books about those kinds of travesties. And I want you to know that I believe that before today is over, what you're going to hear, you will not only... Um, acknowledge a positive thing about what we're saying today, but I believe that you are going to support Christians. Even though you're not one yet, I believe that you are going to support Christians leaving this country to go to other countries uh, to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm hoping for you today. Typically, when we talk about global missions, though, Um, I will start with the verse in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, uh, where if you've been in church uh, or you grew up in church, you might have heard this called the Great Commission. I would typically read this verse where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, I would stop right there. I would talk about why we're supposed to go and what that means to go, that Jesus did not want his church to be people who are so comfortable uh, talking to, G- to other people about Jesus, who are their friends and their family, uh, maybe their neighbors, um, but fearing going out beyond those circles of influence to the stranger and even, in this sense, to the foreigner, to somebody else from a different land. And I would typically unpack our global mission, our global strategy for the year, and, and, and everyone will get excited about it. And all of that is important, and all of that is good. But today, I want to talk about a deeper why, W-Y, or W-H-Y, question mark, a deeper why. Why do we do this in addition to Jesus' 
command to go and make disciples. What's even deeper, what's even stronger than that command in the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ? So turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to talk about that. Why? We're also going to talk about one of the biggest walls that keep us from doing that and how that wall needs to come down. So I want to talk about fear. I grew up with different phobias, uh, different fears, just like you probably. Uh, I never was afraid of snakes or spiders like a lot of people, but I had this irrational fear of sharks. Anybody with me on that? If you grew up in the 80s like me, there was a new Jaws movie every summer, like Jaws 57. And like you would see on the posters, like this big great white shark and this, you know, woman swimming on the surface and the shark was getting ready to eat her legs off. You know, I mean, it was just like terrifying for a little kid growing up. I don't know what I would do growing up with the Sharknado sequels. Um, I probably wouldn't leave my house because now sharks can get to me on land according to that mythology. Uh, but yeah, I, I was so afraid of sharks, I would not get in the ocean for a couple summers. My, my dad, you know, was really concerned about me. Uh, I didn't even take a bath for two years. Like, I wouldn't even get in the bathtub. It was really funky. No, I'm kidding. But I was, I, I was, I was scared. Well, eventually I got over that fear. I, snarted, I started snorkeling. I started, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, snarted. It's a new word. Tweet it. Uh, I, I started snorkeling, I started open ocean swimming, and I got over it, and that was fine. I watched Shark Week every, every summer on Discovery Channel, and everything's good. But here's the deal with that. It didn't, it didn't take very long, and nobody had to teach me how to pick up new irrational fears. And you can relate to me on this. This is something that when we seem to overcome one fear... Uh, we're, we're ready and apt to take on a new fear, whether it's a fear of flying, uh, a fear of you know, people and what people might think of me, a fear of abandonment, whatever that fear is, a fear of the dark. I don't know what it is for you, but we have this nature in us that if we can't control it or we can't know everything there is to know about it, like what's going to happen, what's going to happen, then we're afraid. Well, today I want to talk about fear. In fact, uh, we're, we're addressing fear really all throughout this year, the theme of 2015 for our church is free and fearless because we know what fear can do in the hearts and the minds of people, especially Christ followers. It keeps us from opportunities. It keeps us from responsibilities that we need to, to live out. It keeps us from relationships that we should invest in. It, it keeps us from being obedient to what God is asking or or has planned for us to do. So fear is a very crippling thing in the lives of human beings, but it especially can be st um, st staggering or holding back a follower of Jesus Christ. But I believe that fear is a global thing. In fact, there are entire cultures built upon fear. And we see that in, in you know, 24-hour news right now, where there are cultures built on this condemning fear of God, that God is out to get you, um, that God is out to punish everyone, um, a, a fear of war, a fear of enslavement, a fear of, I mean, 
There are entire cultures that, that build on fear and keep people captive to ideologies, uh, to the government, to religious groups, and so on. We send people around the world and across the globe to confront those very strongholds. So if you're wondering, why do we do this every year? Why do we have partners in some of these frontline countries? Uh, and why do we send people and ask them to give up their vacation time and, and then for their family members and friends to give up some of their money to send them? Why do we do that? Because we believe that we are commissioned by God through Jesus Christ to tear down the strongholds of fear. But it begins in our lives personally. And that brings us to this letter that the Apostle John wrote to the church. It's funny that they also wrestled with fear too. I mean, these were people, some of them had seen Jesus face to face, resurrected Jesus. And yet, some of them still were gripped with fear. Fear of doing what they needed to do in their own lives and in the lives of others for them to experience breakthrough. So he's writing about a couple things in these three letters. We're going to look at the first one today. Um, he's writing about false teaching in the church. So what had happened is a group of people had snuck into the church and they had started questioning you know, whether or not Jesus was really God and, uh, or was he really human, you know, was he, you know, all these things. And so John is writing about that. But he's also trying to help this church understand simply at, at the most core of what it means to be a Christian. And so if you're a Christian here today and you're like, okay, in the simplest terms, what does it mean? Like, what is God up to in me and, and through me and around me as a Christian? What, what, what does this all look like? And John does a great job describing this in these verses that we're going to see, but it's going to help us in this whole fear thing that we're talking about. So let's jump in. First John chapter 4, verse 16. This is what the Apostle John writes. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And I want you to say this next phrase with me. One, two, three. God is love. God is love. This one statement is key. It is cornerstone to what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, this very idea is a game changer for you. Because what it means is God is not hate. God is not divisive. God is not against you. God is not trying to mess with you. God does, he is not conquest. And he is not condemnation. He is none of that. He is at his character and at his core. He is love. And that is some great news, Brentwood Church. Because what is that love? It literally means to esteem and to favor I don't know about you, but in the world that I live in, and I'm bombarded with all kinds of negative feedback and negative emotions and negative words, I need to know that the creator of the universe that spoke all of this into existence with his very ideas and imagination, that at his core, 
He esteems me and he favors me and he thinks the same of you. You wake up every day looking in the mirror and you know that. And I'm telling you, you can be fearless. You can be unstoppable because God loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. He wants you to succeed in the plans that he has for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Can I get a witness? Yes, yes. I got the third row. I'm coming for the back row. All right? God is love. That's who he is. He can't even help it. He 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 just is love. And what is that love? It is an active esteem. It is an active favor. It is not like sometimes when I'm on the couch as a dad and my kids are, you know, playing around the house. And I'm just like, I love you kids. But I don't want to do anything. Like, I just want to sit here and just love you guys. I hope, hey, dad, would you come out and play with us? I love you, kids. No, God's love is active. His favor is on the move. It is in my space. It is in my face. It is all around me. And I should never believe the lie that God is anything other than love for me. Even in his correction, even when he says, John... Don't do that. In fact, I'm going to allow you to hurt a little bit. No, I'm going to allow you to hurt a lot on this one. It is still from the core and the character of love. A father loving his child and correcting him because he loves him so much. That's who God is. And so what does John say? John says, rest on that. Rely on that. That's who you are in Christ. And that's who God is at his core. Whoever lives in love lives in God. He goes on to say, and God in them. What is that? It sounds kind of poetic, but what is, he, what, is, what is he basically saying? He's saying, look, this love that is God that is now in you means to take over you. Like, that's God's conspiracy, that he would just love you, that you would accept that love, and the moment you accept that love, that it takes over you. Every day, it's taking over a little bit more of your heart, of your mind, of how you think about yourself, about how you think about God, about how you think about other people. So what? So that you will esteem and favor other people. The way God esteems and favors you. Not in some passive sitting on the couch kind of way, but putting, as I've heard recently said, putting motion to your devotion. The more you realize how much God is in love with you, the more you get up and you go and you love other people. You are not afraid anymore. What if they reject me? What if they do? What if they say something that hurts my feelings? What if they do? What if they don't receive me? What if they run from me? Yeah. It doesn't matter. 
you love people. Now, guys, if she doesn't give you her phone number and she runs from you, don't love her, okay? Just, just don't chase after her, okay? I promise you. It's in your best interest to stay put. But you get the point. The point is, is that God wants to overtake you with his love so that you're not afraid to love other people. I think that's one of the, one of the biggest walls in relationships is the fear to love, to be vulnerable, to, to, to put your heart out there, to put your hands out there to help and to serve We're afraid. What if somebody takes advantage of me? What if I don't get love that reciprocates back to me? What if, what if, what if? I better not love. I better not love this boldly. What if God loved that way? What if he loved sparingly? What if he loved in a way, well, what if they reject me? What if if they don't receive my gift? That's not how God thinks, though. He says, I'm going to give it, and I'm going to give it, And I'm going to pour grace upon grace, it says. Like his grace, his love, guys, is reckless. It is reckless. And he says, that's where I'm trying to take you. Brentwood Church, you came here this morning to hear yet again that this life is not about you protecting yourself from hurt and discomfort and eventual death, this life is about you putting it all on the line and loving another person and a group of people, sometimes strangers and even your enemies, the way God loves you. It is love without fear. And when you love that way, watch out. And when you take that kind of love and that message to the world, I'm telling you what, it will change the evening news, won't it? What does John say? He says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. What does he say? He says, made complete. What does that, what does that mean? It means to mature, to grow you up. God is growing you up every day in this love. He's giving you new ways to experiment, new ways to fail, new ways to succeed, new ways to grow. And he says, look, here's what I want you to know. When you get my love for you and you start to grow up in it and let it take over your life, you will not fear the day of judgment. You will not fear life. You will not fear death. You will not fear judgment. Think about that. Those three fears build strongholds in families and entire communities and entire cultures. Why do we wake up in these times to a new person that has been kidnapped by a radical religious group that beheads people who don't agree with them? Because people believe the lies and the fear that the enemy has whispered into the ears, into the minds of so many people. God is hate. God is divisive. God is condemning. And you should be too.
Mm. There needs to be a group of people who are ready and confident to take a new message to the world. And that is God is crazy about you. God esteems you. God favors you. God wants to pick up your brokenness and heal you like he did me. He wants to make you brave before life, before death, and before judgment. Can you imagine knowing that there is a day out there where everyone will stand before a holy God and when he looks at you, he sees the down payment of the Holy Spirit on you, given to you by the death of Jesus Christ on a cross. And when he looks at you, all he sees is Jesus. He doesn't see all the things that you and I did to blow up our life, to hurt ourselves and other people. The things we did to waste time, to waste energy. He doesn't see any of that. Instead, what he sees is perfect. You are perfect in Christ. You are complete in Christ. Now, come into my kingdom. Come into my happiness. Thy good and faithful servant. Can you imagine how you live life knowing that that's what God thinks about you? Even in your distress... Brentwood Church, the world needs to know this. And fear cannot stop us from taking this message to a world that is falling apart, that needs it. And then that's what he says next. He says, in this world, we are like Jesus. The more complete you get in love, the more confident you get in life, death, and judgment, the more that you are like Christ in the world. I mean, think, think about that. If, if you are not afraid to love and you are not afraid to live because you don't fear death and judgment, you are freed up to be who God created you to be. I am freed up to be who God created me to be. Look what he says in that next verse, verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love. What does that word fear mean? It means a crippling anxiety of death and judgment. Crippling anxiety of death and judgment. When this love that is God starts to take over you and me, we don't fear anymore. Are we fear less and less? And that anxiety that holds us back, that keeps us from being daring and bold in our love, becomes smaller and smaller and faint and almost unrecognizable in our life. That's what God is up to in your life. He's teaching you that He is love. And that this love is intended to take over your life. But what does it mean? It means that every day we have to resolve and surrender to the fact that we cannot let fear, any fear in any form, get its hooks in our life. 
verse 18. But perfect love, in other words, when you grow up in love, drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What is he saying? He says, look, you've got to recognize that when you start to get afraid, afraid to make that decision, afraid to be uh, obedient, afraid to take that step, afraid to confront that issue, afraid to confess that sin, you have to know that you're not being mature in love. But when you are mature in love, watch this, you become one who drives out fear wherever you go. Can you picture that, Burnwood Church? That if you get a hold of this kind of love and you let it take over more and more of your heart and mind and soul, that when you walk into the room, people naturally feel more confident and encouraged just by you being there. You know those people in your life right now. You know that they are mature in this kind of love because as soon as they walk in the room and speak into your situation and speak into your circumstance and start talking to you or just putting their hand on you, they are so filled with this love. They are so attuned to the Holy Spirit of God that you, just by their very presence, don't feel afraid anymore. That is who you have been created and that is who you have been redeemed to be, to drive out fear wherever you go. You can say, we don't have anything to be afraid of and stand firm on that. Can you imagine if we unleashed a couple hundred people just in this room on this fearful world, on this fearful community, what would happen? What would happen to families? What would happen to marriages? Man, you are someone who has been redeemed and restored to drive out fear. And Brentwood, when you start to get afraid, you need to get, you need to get close to those people and you need to get back to your identity. There is nothing that you and I have to be afraid of in life, death, and judgment. God has taken care of it for us through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who he gave to you and me because he loves us. Why would we go across the world and around the globe? Why would we step out? Why would some of you this year use your vacation time and your friends and your relatives' money to go do this? Why will some of us who don't go give up our resources to help those who are going go and give up resources to help supply the work in those countries? Why would we do that? And and here's just the answer right here, verse 19. We love because he first loves us. That's why. That's why you would do that. You know, when you get a hold of how much God loves you and all that he has invested in you and 
all that he has for you. And he simply says, I want you to spend the rest of your life loving people this way too. Why would we not resolve every day to that very thing? You know why I'm going to love you? You know why I'm going to love you even though you're so difficult to love? You know why I'm going to love you even though it's so uncomfortable for me to love? You know why I'm going to forgive you? You know why I'm going to seek forgiveness? You know why I'm going to make this relationship right? You know why I'm going to give this up for you? Because God is crazy about me. And he loved me when I felt absolutely unlovable. And all of my brokenness and all of my mess and all of my sin, he loved me. And he didn't send voices of condemnation. He didn't send voices of shame and guilt to me. No. He sent his spirit and he sent voices of redemption and forgiveness and new beginning to me. You better believe that I'm going to spend the rest of my life tearing down strongholds of fear and helping other people get liberated here and around the world. Why? Because that's just what people do who understand God's love for them. Second Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul says this. And he committed, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I want to talk to two people real quick. First of all, if you're not a Christian today, again, I want to thank you for being here. I hope that you've heard something today different than maybe, maybe the stigma or maybe the preconceived notions of what a missionary is and what a missionary brings today. I, I hope that all you've heard is a God who loves and a God who sends people to love. And it maybe, maybe you're not going to leave here a Christian today. I hope you do. But, but if you don't, you can leave here knowing, man, if that's what those people are bringing to people around the world, if, if they're taking that in the name of Jesus, then more power to them. But what Paul says to the church right there is this, is that you have the me- message of reconciliation. And you're an ambassador. Give that away to the world. We, we, we have a great mission and a great work to do, Brentwood Church. And this is the year that some of you are going to go, not across the street, but across the ocean to help that message get spread in countries and in nations and in villages and in cultures. Whether it be in Thailand, where you're going to confront the exploitations of women and children, 
And you're going to help rescue some, some people from darkness. Whether it's building a church in a village in Guatemala, which seems to be church forsaken. Or it is continuing to support a fertile ground of gospel movement in the Middle East right now that is the fertile ground of Dubai. Or going to India, where we've already seen and we've already heard over a thousand people in one village alone who've come to Christ and have gotten baptized. That is your message. You are an ambassador. And this is the year that some of you must go and that some of you must give to help those who go. For the next nine minutes, I want you to hear some stories. Uh, you're getting ready to see a video of different testimonials of men and women who've gone on last year's field assignments. Also, our global director, Tara Lanier, is going to talk about um, how we are sending teams back to these places and how you can be a part of it. While the video is going, you're going to get a card this card is real simple. It just highlights all of the trips and it tells you about an interest meeting. I'll talk more about that on the other side of this video. Uh, his teams and all the individuals who told their story. Um, it's those stories that really uh, share impact from last year, um, but cast vision for what's going to happen in 2015. Right now you have this card. It's inviting you to a global interest night this week, February the 4th. I think that's Wednesday. Uh, so if you have an interest of an interest, in other words, like you're, you might just be interested in being interested, uh, go this night. They're, they're not going to collect your passport that night or anything like that. It's just a, a time where you can hear a little bit more about who's leading these trips um, the objectives of these trips, and then how you can be a part of everything that we've talked about today. And certainly do not let fear uh, be a, a factor. Um, don't let the fear of failure, the, the fear of flying, the fear of what you know danger or any of that. If God has you going, then just be obedient to go. On the back, you can see there's a, a, something that we're going to be talking about through the year of how you can be a part of some um, resource giving uh, for some of the projects that are going to be happening in these trips. Uh, you'll hear more about that later. Um, but I want to just set up our response time for just a second. You know, today we're talking about love without fear, specifically when it comes to going places with God's love that are uncomfortable and maybe foreign to you. But you know, some of you, some of you may just need to, to face some fears today in other realms of your life. Uh, maybe right now you're afraid to confess a sin that you've been holding in secret for a long time. And it is, it is oppressing you right now. It is keeping your prayer life uh, stale. It is keeping you from looking at people in the eyes and being honest and single-minded. 
It's keeping you from serving. Maybe the day is a day where you just need to stop being afraid of what people are going to think if you get real with God and you get real with people. And you confess that today. If that's you, we want to pray with you. Maybe you're afraid to face a, a difficulty in a relationship, whether it's asking forgiveness or giving it to somebody. Uh, maybe you're afraid to take a step in some place in your life that you know God is calling you to, uh, whether it's a career change or uh, just a bold move in your life, and you have let fear hold you back from loving and being led the way God wants to, to lead you. Today is the day that you can break free from that. It is not your destiny to live and die afraid. You have been set free. God loves you. His love is taking over you. And where fear exists, love cannot. And today is the day that you just need to get real with him and give that fear over to him and be brave today in your love. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But some of you, some of you just need to get over the fear of surrendering your life to Jesus. And maybe you've been afraid that you're going to turn into a religious freak or your parents are going to disown you or you just don't have it all intellectually figured out. And I get that. But but today you know that God is calling you to his heart and to his arms and to eternity with him. And I want to give you the opportunity today to make that decision. And so I invite you to come talk to me or any of our volunteers out at our, our guest services table, and they will pray with you, and they will help you take the most important step of your life. Would you stand with me? As always, our response stations are open for confession, for intercessory prayer, and for communion. Any believer who wants to take the Lord's Supper today and remember the body and the blood of Christ until he returns, I invite you to do that. Right now, though, let's worship God and let's respond out of obedience. Father, right now, let your spirit fall down on this place. Let healing take place in people's hearts and even their bodies, God. Let tired people get rest today. Let tired minds be at peace today. Let broken marriages be restored today. Let fear be vanquished today. In Jesus' name, amen.